we're living in a system, right, where the oppressed are being affected the most by what's going on. And people are dying at a rapid rate. And the oppressor's response is kind of like, let them die, let me out. Of like, and then the part of me that's a healer of like, that is so tragic to be in that state of mind right now of like that has to be such a dark place to be where this is happening and your response is like, what can I be doing to help liberate these people that are dying at higher rates than my people because I have inherent privilege. And so it's not an excuse. Like I I genuinely feel horrible for people right now that are like, how can I benefit? Hello, Look Up listeners. Welcome back. It's me again, Mark. I think you know me at this point. And if you're listening, you also know that every episode starts with a debt of gratitude to all of you for participating in this Look Up community with me, for following along on this journey. Huge thank you to all the guests that have come on the show in the past and all the future guests that have already agreed to come on the show and those of you that haven't. I look forward to connecting with you all. And so here we are, it is still week six of the quarantine for the COVID crisis that we are all experiencing right now, the collective humanity. Uh, It's been quite a wild experience to say the least. And who knows if we'll ever go back to a semblance of quote unquote normal, or if many, there are many of us out there who think that going back to normal would be a failure at this point, because there's so much that we can improve upon and so much light has been shed on the challenges that we face, uh, the structural issues with our systems and infrastructure. And so, yeah, why should we go back to normal? Let's create a new normal together. And on this episode of Look Up, I had the opportunity to speak with Mariam Ajayi. Mariam is the founder of Diversity in Wellness She's an energy healer and an entrepreneur with 10 plus years experience in business growth strategy and strategic partnerships across a multitude of industries ranging from politics to tech. And her passions include destigmatizing the wellness industry and advocating for inclusive spaces for marginalized communities. Her work has been featured in Goop, The Sunday Times, The Cut, and other publications. And she's worked with countless brands like Nike Women, The Wing, General Assembly, Lululemon, and others. Our topic today really was meant to focus on how we can make the wellness industry, which if you follow wellness practitioners on Instagram is predominantly white, predominantly well-off. How can we make it more inclusive for underrepresented cultures and individuals? And that's the work that Mariam is doing through Dive In Well. But before we get into diversity, we talk a lot about the cultural shifts that are happening during the current coronavirus crisis. Uh, We talk about our always-on culture and how overproductivity might be a response to trauma. Marianne explains what holotropic breathwork is and Reiki healing. And we offer some strategies and guidelines on how you might be able to survive a continued quarantine. This is also timely. We talk about the let us out protests in the United States and the failure of our leaders to keep the most at-risk individuals safe. And so I really hope that you enjoy this episode. Uh, As always, you know, we are here to explore a variety of subjects. Uh, You may or may not agree with what's being said on the show, but I hope that it opens your eyes to different perspectives and new tools and opportunities to go deeper into self. And with that, I bring to you Mariam Ajayi. So um, Mariam, thank you for so much for, for coming on the Look Up podcast today. It's been, it's been a few weeks in the making. Um, you no problem. Originally, I think we were going to record 
in New York and then you were moving to Los Angeles. And so we were like, let's just do it in Los Angeles. And now I'm quarantined elsewhere and, and you're in LA. So we're just like, fuck it. Let's just, let's just get on <laughs> Skype and do it. <laughs> who, knew, who knows when we're going to be in the same city again? I know it's wild. I was thinking about that. Like, I just don't, you know, with, with this whole immigration ban and, uh, my partner is actually from Europe, so I have no idea, you know, when she'll be able to come in the country. And mm-hmm. uh, it's just wild. Like, it's such crazy times. Yeah. No, I was going to ask, like, how are you, you know, how are you managing these times? Kind of what practices do you have going on right now that are keeping you sane or grounded? Um, well, it changes, like, minute by minute. <laughs> This the sanity level or <laughs> strategy level. Well, it's also like listening to what my body needs. Um, it's so interesting because you know I have my practices that I do, um, and you always want to stay on them. But when you divert, it's kind of like why are you diverting? And this this time has really taught me of like it's okay if I don't meditate twice a day and do breath work every week you know, and do mantra work every day. It's like, I really just have to listen to what my body needs in that moment. And it's like striking this fine balance between resistance and like just listening and being present and being still and not wanting to just like fix everything and every feeling. Um, And so since this has all happened, like my immediate go-to was like breath work. You know, breath work drops you into your body. And, you know, I've been saying to people that we're actually living in a traumatic moment. Um, And so we're creating trauma every day through this pandemic. Um, And so my first inclination when this all started was I want to be able to release um, as much trauma right now so I don't have to, you know, work on it five times as hard five years from now. Not saying that there's not going to be trauma from this period five years from now, but like, what can I do to release it from my body? Because, you know, as a survivor from PTSD, I know what it's like to bury something and to not stay present in the moment and then have to deal with the repercussions of that on my nervous system years and years later. So I immediately just wanted to like drop into my breath work practice, which was so grounding for me. Um, can you, can, can you share, cause there's so many different styles of breath. Yes. Right. And, and so when I practice breath, I practice like um, different, I guess I would call them pranayama practices. So, you know, like Kapalabhati and Nadi Shodhanam and these like yogic breathing practices. But then I have friends that are doing kind of the holotropic you know, like really serious, deep work that kind of is psychedelic. Um, is, is that the type of breath that you're that you're describing? That's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Are you familiar with David Elliott? I'm doing the claw hands, the lobster hands. Yeah, <laughs> the little lobster hands right now. It's just so strange that that's that's what happens. Like, has anyone explained that to you? Uh I'd love if you explained it to me because I definitely have been had this explained, but I've forgotten to be beneficial to the listeners. Well, um, the practice that I, um, the modality that I practice is, it's called breath work, but it's from David Elliott's lineage, which mm-hmm. is like holotropic where you breathe into your belly, mm-hmm. you breathe into your heart and you breathe out through your mouth all. <sighs> yeah. <sighs> I, I Sorry to interrupt. I just... Are you um, connected to the Sanctum in Los Angeles? Is that in Malibu? So the Sanctum opened in Venice, but I believe they're opening a studio uh, in Silver Lake if they haven't already. And yeah, it'd be cool for you to connect with them because that's that's the breath that many practitioners there teach. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, why don't we, you should hook me up. Yeah, I'll find it just while while we're thinking of it. So sorry. So go, going back to David Elliott was yes. So it's some people say it's two part or three part, depending the way you look at it. But it's a type of pranayama, and you do that. You you can do it for seven minutes, but typically you do it in ceremony from thirty to forty five minutes. 
Um, some people liken it to doing like ayahuasca and obviously you're only using your breath, which I love, you know, as a thrill seeker and someone that was looking for a lot of things outside of myself um, when I found breath work and it was like all within my mind was actually blown away that I could create all of these shifts within myself. Um, and it can be jarring at first because mm. it drops you into your body. Cause at first you're like, Whoa, Oh my God, everything is tingling. Is this normal? Am I doing it right? Am I going to suffocate? Like all of these <laughs> things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Then you move through things where it's a heart opener because you're breathing into your belly, which is kind of like, getting all the junk out around your self-power, your self-worth, sex, love, money, all of those things. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you're breathing into your heart to create a heart opening. And so a lot of what I've learned from David and Aaron Elliott is that when this starts to happen, it's because you're having a heart opening and lobster hands, especially is like you're you're trying to let go of control. Um, but you're having resistance to letting go of control. Um, and so typically when that happens, it's like I'll ask people, like, what are you trying to hold on to? Interesting. I, I love this practice, by the way. Um, it is so powerful. And to all listeners out there who have not experienced this type of breath, um, it, is, it is well worth exploring. For exactly the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, that relinquishing of control. It's so fascinating to watch our minds in that breath while, while it's going, the fear that comes up, right? The fear is so, it's so, it, it, that can come up because everybody's experience is unique. But for me, you know, it's like, am I, am I going to be okay? Like I just, the questions start to start to pose themselves. My mind wants to maintain control. Yes. This, this breath really does release, release us from our minds, which I think is so important, especially right now where, you know, because of all the, the media that we consume and just constantly being on. And I've talked about this on other episodes, but I feel like my hands are near my ears right now, but I feel like we live in this, many of us, I speak for myself, I live most of my time in this plane. So it's so powerful. And when did you, when did you um, first study this, uh, David Elliott's breath? Um, so I found it about three years, three mm. years ago. Um, I think, yeah, this past year was like my three year anniversary of going to like my first class. Um, which yes. I was like, whoa, this is, why am I here? I was like a New York party girl, like, but I was looking for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got my level one teacher training um, in May of 2018. Okay, cool. So pretty recently and like my life completely, completely changed um, after I got my level one training and started like working as a practitioner. And you, you said you were a New York party girl. DC party girl, college party girl, <laughs> New York party girl. Was a party girl. <laughs> yes. And, and, and when you, so when you went to this first class before you got your level one training, were you looking for something different consciously? Or was it like you were dragged there by a friend with resistance? So the first time I was actually supposed to go work with who was my now teacher Aaron Telford. My friend um, was in New York visiting, I believe, yeah, she was in New York visiting and she had some other friends in New York and they wanted to go to this breath work. And I was like, this is a, some fucking Burning Man shit. Like, <laughs> And we can get into Burning Man after because I'm sure with the work that you're doing that you have a lot to say about. Yeah. I'm like, now like I want to go out of curiosity, you know, but yeah. A couple of years ago, I was like, this is crazy. This is just Burning Man stuff. And I actually um, did not do this on purpose. I, and I have a lot of food allergies. So I ended up like eating something with nuts in it and had to take a bunch of Benadryl and missed it. And then I ended up, you know, I had a ticket to go to this breath work like that I could make up. 
um, and a couple of months later. So that just shows you like my subconscious mind. The resistance. You ate something that you're allergic to right before. Yeah. and I, Happening on so many layers, this stuff. It's crazy. But if we were going to like, you know, if we were going to the Lower East Side to go to a bar, I wouldn't have, you know what I'm saying? Like there was so much resistance. And so um, I suffered from a lot of chronic pain. And so, you know, going out started to become like more and more just tearing on my body. And so it was like, I really don't want to go out this weekend. And I was like, let me see what else I could do. Was it a Friday night? night? Was it, was it, was it in the Lower East Side? No, it was in at Maha Rose. Ah, okay. Maha Rose. Yes. My friend Jess McNear teaches at Maha Rose. Do you know Jess? No, I'm just curious. I'm feeling some Jess energy right now. If Jess, if you're out there listening, (laughs) sending you love. Maha Rose is amazing, but I did my first breath at the womb center. Um, I love womb. Me too. Uh, um, They're angels. I actually went to another breath work. Like I was supposed to make it up and I went to the teacher's class and it was canceled and I was like, you can't make this up. And I forgot what studio it was and what teacher it was, but I was like, how come I didn't get an email? And so I'm, it was a studio that was in the bottom of a hostel or a hotel. Mm. Um, and so I was sitting in the hostel lobby and um, one of the people that worked for the studio in the hostel, they're like, yeah, that was canceled. I'm so sorry, but we're going to do Puritan in a second. And it was just two people. And they're like, if you want to join us. So I literally just sat like one Friday night in this place. I don't even know what it was and did keratin with them for two or three hours. And they like let me play instruments with them. And we sang and the guy. uh, Another powerful practice. Yeah. He gave me a copy of the Bhagavad Gita and was like, you're going to be doing a lot of this work. And I kind of was like, okay. That was a good night. (laughs) But my soul feels good, you know, and and that was weird. I was like, at least it's like a New York story to tell. Like, that's the way I was looking into it. And then I tried again, but I was like, I'm not going to see this teacher and found another breathwork teacher. And that's how I ended up at Maha Rose in Greenpoint on a Friday night. Maha Rose is, is an incredible place. So, so much beauty happens there. And I know you're a Reiki practitioner as well. And, you know, I, did you, they, they teach Reiki there also. So I'm, yeah. Is that where you studied uh, your Reiki? No, uh, all of, I feel like all of my trainings have been like very synchronistic of um, mm. the first time I got a Reiki massage was at a craft fair in Williamsburg. Okay. And I was just, again, just like walking around being like, what am I going to do today besides day drink with all of my friends and like wound out of this craft fair. And, um, I, they had like 15 minute massages with this thing called Reiki. And I didn't really understand what that was. Um, and then I ended up getting this massage that was dope was like 15 minutes. And I stayed in touch with the Reiki practitioner. Um, and she ended up holding a Reiki training um, and then everyone else canceled the last minute. So it was just her and I in my first Reiki one training, um, which was phenomenal. Um, and then my Reiki two, I ended up getting with her Reiki master. And Reiki is, how would you define Reiki for the listeners? I, I always describe it as a nice like hug from the universe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm sure so many people out there could use a hug right now. I'm like sending out all the hugs through this microphone. Reiki is a Japanese energy healing modality. Um, And the premise basically is, um, you know, you become certified as a practitioner, a conduit of universal life energy, and you can give that energy to another human being, person, the planet, Um, through your hands and then as you move up you can do that through you know symbols and through distance through space and time my same friend that i mentioned earlier also studied reiki and that's why i asked about maha rose and she she, one day she was like hey i want to send you some love like where are you what's your address and so i dropped a pin and she and she basically was like sending me reiki reiki healing energy through through the 
through the ether, you know, and it feels good. Like even just placebo, like some people might think it's placebo and that's okay. But like, even if it is placebo, it works, you know? And I mean like through the phone, like when you, it's hard to, I, I don't know. I hold space for all, for all of, I try to hold space for all views because sometimes I'm speaking to like entrepreneurs and you are an entrepreneur as well. And I noticed in your bio, you're like, I'm 50% entrepreneur and I'm 50% you know, and I feel like there's so many of us out there right now. I'm I'm on this wave as well, where it's like I I've been separating the two, mm-hmm. and I just want to integrate fully my you know all that I all that I do and all that I am and love into into one whole. But I I think you froze there. You know, it was about I was still working in tech um, about a year ago. And we had a lot of like massive transition and just like really, you know, my premise behind my first company was like, we're not just our business. Like we're humans and like that are working in business either for other people, you know, or running your own companies. And when people say it's just business, like that's, that's a crock of shit of like the way you show up in your business is how you show up in your life. Um, and if this is how we're conducting business, like it's not okay. Um, and I was like, I never want to hear that phrase like ever, ever again. It's just, it's just business. It's not personal. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, that's just how you treat it people. Personal. Yeah. And it's like, it's integrating the two of them. You know, it could be like your light and your shadow. It's who you are. So it's like, you might as well, you know, just own it. So I, I really think that there's magic in both of them, right? Like we need business to exist on this realm, how, you know, until further notice. Um, And so like, how can we use that to kind of bring out our, you know, our sole purpose, like our metaphysical ties that we have? Um, I really believe that people can tap into that and create these you know, you don't have to have a work-life balance and you have like a work-life integration. I feel that entirely. And it's taken me like a decade of work, you know, work, quote unquote, to, <laughs> um, to kind of come to this place where it's like, I want to work with people and on projects that are completely aligned with who I am, what I love, what I want to see manifested in this world, rather than I'm just doing this to pay the bills and, you know, and then I'm going to do other things. And, you know, I, I also hold space for those of us that it's like, they, you know, you feel like this is how you have to live. Like, it's just, I have to pay, you know, my bills. And this is, these are skills that I have. And maybe, you know, I'm not working with the best people, but, or, you know, I'm not working on something that is super, you know, aligned. Um, but over time, I would hope that individuals can kind of even just like slowly, right? It takes time, but slowly kind of matriculate towards towards alignment and integration of all elements of themselves and all that they do. Um, and I'm working on that even like on like a, a content and I'm air quoting like social media front where I've realized like my Instagram is where I post, you know, more of myself and like spirit and my LinkedIn, you know, I shy away from that. Exactly. I haven't done anything with LinkedIn in like a year. I was like, oops. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And it's, but why? Right. Because I think that there's, I think if anything, LinkedIn needs more of that. And I think people are craving, people are craving meaning. Um, And in these times, it's, uh, you know, these times are just like a great opportunity for pause and reflect. I mean, that's what, you know, I feel that in my heart of like people were going through a horrible time in our history on the planet. Right. And I think it's a consequence of broken systems. But this gives us a real opportunity for people can not should because there's no shoulds right now of can come out of this with like radical clarity on what they want out of their life, the type of person they want to be, the type of business businesses they want to support, they want to be a part of, 
you know, we're seeing some heinous stuff with some businesses that it's like, I don't even want to give them my dollar. Why would you want to work for them? Mm. Um, And it doesn't mean that we all have to come out of this, like owning our own companies or being like, this is my life path. But it's like to have some sort of idea what you're in alignment with and what you you were saying before of like, it doesn't have to be all in straight away. I have like what I call the 10% rule of like, you know, you need to do what you need to do to feed yourself and to feed your family. But if it's not bringing you passion, it's not in alignment with your higher purpose, give it 10%, right? We work in like a society where it's like, you got to give everything 100% or you like will fail. Yeah, yeah, And it's just like- Pedal to the metal. Yeah. (laughs) Wrap it up. Do it, do it. I was like, that's like toxic masculinity. It's the Mm. patriarchy. You know, we're being bamboozled to, you know, work hard, Mm. harder than we should be for people that really don't care about us because they look at us as like profit, right? Mm. We're going to churn out stuff when you build a culture that's like work hard, play hard, like you're churning out profit for that company. Um, and so like when I realized that like my tech company wasn't in alignment with my highest good, but I needed to build and sustain like my own path to walk away, I was just like, I'm going to give this my 10% because I know that me giving 10% is still amazing. Yeah, it's really, it can be really hard for those of us who have perfectionist qualities to, to work less on something to be like, oh, I'm just going to, ch- you know, I'm going to check the box. And that's okay. And I think one of the word that's coming up for me right now, and it came up earlier as you were describing the practices that you've been putting in place through quarantine in your own home is permission, permission to do less, permission to sometimes not be on, permission to feel all that you're feeling and that's coming up for you. And if that means that, you know, you're not going to write your book right now, because there's like both sides, right? Like on the one hand, Great opportunity to pause, reflect, realign, and manifest new opportunities, new paths for yourself. On the other side, a lot of trauma, unwinding, a lot of pain, a lot of anger, a lot of fear, and a lot of systems cracks and decay being exposed. So, you know, making space to allow for that to happen within ourselves as well, super important. And then, of course, like, how can we integrate those two? And that's really, really challenging. That's life's work. Mm-hmm. That's resilience, right? Like I, you know, I was telling you it changes like minute by minute, like day by day, week by mm-hmm. week. And like when this first started, I was like breath work, giving myself Reiki every night, like mm-hmm. solfeggio frequencies, like playing in the background. What is the solfeggio frequency? Oh my God. You don't, this is going to change your life. Uh, yes, please tell me. You said it earlier and I like glossed over it. I was like, maybe I know what that is. I'll look it up later. <laughs> but no, this is, this is for the benefit of all those. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like binaural beats. Yes, I've heard of her. So, so frequencies are the same thing. So it's different hertz match with dif- like different frequencies. So it could be like of the earth and there's um, solfeggio frequencies um, depending on the hertz, have a certain healing transmission. Mm. Um, and so like at night, I've been listening to just like a Spotify playlist on like um, transmuting and transforming um, negative energy into love or into miracles. And so typically when I have it on, it's kind of like not like, I'm a negative person, but there's so much negativity in the world right now, rightfully so. And, you know, as an empath and um, what you were saying before, how there's so much connection, like Lisa Renee Hall, um, who's a writer, actually um, posted something about overconnectivity, how we're all going through that. And especially highly sensitive people have to protect themselves. So sometimes I'll just play that in the background And I will have like a complete shift in my mode or like the energy in my studio will change or even how I perceive people's interactions will change. Um, Yeah. And as, and as, you know, healers, as empaths, mm -hmm. um, it's so important to take that me time and to set boundaries. And I saw you had a meditation, a a breath work for, for boundary setting. And I'd like to, I'd like to try that out because I think it's super important. I was on a call with my friend last night. 
he reached out to me from LA and I love him so much. Great human. Shout out to Alex if you're listening to this. And he was like, don't you miss your friends? I was just like, you know, right now I'm just kind of chilling. Like I'm, I'm cool with, with just being alone. And it's, it's interesting. I've been even just for the last 24 hours trying to kind of like come to terms with that. But what I, one of the ideas that's coming through for me is, is that perhaps in my regular routine, I'm, I'm not effective at setting boundaries and I, and I allow myself to be drawn out more often than I actually want to be. And so this is just a chance to like really pull back into self. Exactly. And I'm the same way too. I'm guilty of that. And even, you know, I'm like, email me, call me, text me. And I'm like, no, I can't, like, I can't be available. Um, I'm a hard, like, do not contact me on Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a great practice, by the way. Yeah. Like I'm unavailable having to say no to people. You know, I, I also like, I'm really bad. I have like 50 unread text messages right now, but normally <laughs> I, I would like die. Over- God, I know there's, I know there's a, a productivity, like perfectionist Mariam inside of you. That's like, that's just dying to answer those text messages. <laughs> like there's, I feel that I'm feeling that right now. Like it's there. <laughs> I also have like 4,000 unread messages or unread emails. So it's like part of me is like I'm not doing enough, responding enough, being available enough. But I'm like I hard need to protect my energy in order for me to be of service. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's like I will try and let people know that I love them. Like you may not hear from me. I'm unavailable. I'm not available 24 seven. I am, you know, someone called me the queen of do not disturb. So like some days I'll just have do not disturb on all day. Um, or I'll be on, I turn my phone on airplane mode at night. Um, my phone is barely never on the ringers, never on. Yes. Me neither. <laughs> it's like, and I'm like, I miss so many calls. It's just- my, my, my friend, my friend, Tommy Sobel, who is one of my first guests on the podcast, um, started a company called Brick and he's basically trying to, to make like, it starts with cultural shifts. So make the culture one of, I'm not available 24 seven, because that is, that is something that is unique to our generation. You know, people love to hate on the older people, you know, and journalists, many love to hate on millennials, you know, like we're pampered this, that, the other thing. But no generation has had to transition into adult life where the expectation from work and from all of those around you is that because you can be reached, you should be reachable yeah, and accessible. I had a client, well, it's not a future client reach out because I didn't get back to them, you know, in a timely manner. And I just had to be like, look, I'll, I get back to people when I get back to them of like, you're not the only person, unfortunately, like that's going through something. I'm holding space for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. And I was like, and I'm also going through a lot, like we're in a pandemic and I'm like the expectations, you know, I have a lot of people, which I appreciate. I might start doing this that are like, I'll get back to you in 72 hours, like within that. But I'm like, I don't want to be under this expectation that I need to get back to people immediately. Um, It, you know, I think that that is from, you know, was it Gen Gen Y? Are we Gen Y? We're Gen X. Gen X, yeah. Yes. The ones ahead of us of like, that was something that from their, you know, how they were raised and like, you need to be on 24-7 to make something of yourself, to be available all the time because, you know, that's how you got work. That's how you got ahead. You know, those were our managers, you know. Mm-hmm. And the people that weren't available, you know, were looked at as like lazy and the people that were got promoted, you know. Um, I just think that that is like unrealistic and it's harmful, you know, it's harmful to our psyche and to our nervous systems. So that's on point. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of that cult of productivity comes from the misalignment or the, the, mis, 
the imbalance that entering this current period, as we're seeing a lot of shifts and clearing happen and systems restructuring, there's clearly been an imbalance of masculine, feminine energy, you know, around us. And I hear, I I wanted to lean into this a little bit with you because I think this is juicy because for me, the word patriarchy brings up, um, as, as what I would refer to myself as like a sensitive, empathetic, you know, man, the word patriarchy brings up a, a feeling of defensiveness. So when you say that, I, I feel like, I feel it, it, it triggers me in some kind of way. So I want to lean into it because what I see is, is a, an imbalance of masculine feminine where men and women alike are overdoing the, the masculine go-getter. But I'm just curious, like, what is, how do you define the patriarchy and and what do you see? Yeah. So for me, like, I think that the patriarchy is, you know, what we've grown up with. It's systems of oppression that is not masculine energy, right? It's toxic masculinity. And Mm -hmm. so when we have the patriarchy of like, you know, I used to work for the patriarchy. Like I worked in Republican lobbying and it was kind of like a me first you later culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was actually reading this book called the Magdalene manuscripts, okay. which is a wild, wild ass book, but like they, Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdalene. Yeah. Ah, interesting. Right. Yes. I digress, but I'll tell you about that after I feel like it's, <laughs> I'm only 35 pages in and my mind is blown, but, um, you know, she talks about in the book, because it's a channeled book, um, how, you know, we had this balance of masculine and feminine energy. Um, and actually, like, the Christian church came in, not to trigger anyone that's Christian. Um, and what they did was label the feminine as kind of like being weak, as being whores, etc., as a way Um, for, you know, the church to gain control um, over women in society um, because they were very powerful women in society at that time. Um, And the patriarchy became like this brand, you know, like afterwards um, of dominance, of power. um, And that kind of went all the way left to like what we have now. Um, so it's like, when I say patriarchy, it's not even like the masculine that I'm talking about. It's like the system itself of like dominance of oppression. Yeah. And to clarify, to clarify, so that that's helpful. Um, because when I say masculine, I don't mean man and woman. Yeah. Um, I mean like the certain attributes that we value, um, that are attributed more towards masculine energy, which which both men and women hold, which is more, as you said, like, you know, um, kind of go, go getter chasing things down. And these are all, these are all, um, neutral energies in, in that they can be very positive, but we kind of like this, when the scale tips too far in their direction, that's how we get quote unquote, the, the patriarchy. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about, even what we saw with feminism in, mm-hmm. you know, uh, from like 2016 until now, this new wave, like feminism that's gone on, that also has its toxicity because we're in balance. And, you know, when it, there's certain organizations and groups that I had to like step away from because it was like this dominance of, you know, the, the feminine matriarchy ish, like, um, uh, prototype that was also lacking a lot of intersection intersectionality. And so we don't want like one versus the other. It's like, how do we marry the two, you know, and take care of all of the people in between it? Cause we all embody, embody them. Um, yeah. And like, for me, like my gut reaction was to move with my masculine of like, okay, we got to get shit done. Like we've mourned, we grieve, we're taking care of community, but we got to like, go, 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 go. Um, mm-hmm. And then I had to take a step back and being like, when, at what point does this become toxic? And to be like, I can't do this. You know, like I have to say no to this. We need to take our time and planning this. We can't just produce and get out and like take a step back and like step back 
into my feminine, which is just more of like a balance. Yeah. It's a receiving, right? Like there's, there's that receptive energy of allowing. And I, I just discovered that <laughs> I, I had my, um, <clears throat> we were talking about Aaron Rose who came on the podcast previously, but uh, I had him do my human design or he did my human design reading. So I'm a projector and apparently projectors, you know, they're better at manifesting and just allowing versus chasing. And I spend a lot of time chasing. My listeners might know this about me at this point, but, you know, I do a lot of business development work for startup companies. And it, it's funny, I rarely talk about it on the show, but I, I've seen so many instances where when I'm chasing something very specific, it gets further away from me. When I pull back, all of a sudden it appears, but in a way that I wasn't expecting it to. And so there is this balance of, you know, go getter and then also like rest. Like even like I'm, you know, I'm not Christian, but you know, the creation story is is across all monotheistic religions. And on the seventh day, you know, God rests, rests. So like if God can rest, we all should be able to rest. Amen. Um, I'm like ra- I, I call it radical rest, you know, of like is radical rest is something that you could be doing to break the patriarchy and systems of oppression, literally take a fucking nap of like, don't do anything. Like, are you kidding me? Of like, when this first started, it was like, I I was like, eventually I'll get there. But like breath work, Reiki, you know, being there for people. I started, I gave a free breath work workshop, but then also I was like, I'm going to sleep all day. Like, I'm not putting pants on today. What up? (laughs) Don't tell me I need to put like lipstick. Yeah. I was like, I don't need to put like lipstick on and get dressed every day. It's like, I'm going to take hella naps, watch hella Netflix. And then I'm going to do my thing of like um, my friend, Michelle Palazone, who's a CEO of Holisticism. Um, she was doing a live once and it was like, oh my God, it was like light bulbs, like overproductivity is a response to like trauma. And so it's like, when Can you unpack that a little bit. Yeah. So like, there's a couple of things of like, there was an article I read where someone was like my, I was telling my therapist how I felt really grounded and like hopeful and like seeing how I could navigate all of that. And I was like, when well, you grew up in trauma. So this is nothing new. So like a lot of us that are kind of like, oh, this is fine. This is fine. It's like, look at how you were raised. Were you raised in like a chaotic environment? Or did you have like a chaotic period in your life where like something horrible was happening all the time? So like this global pandemic is, you know, it's no sweat off your bat because you're not, you're used to living in trauma. It's fascinating. And and I want to add to that because... I love that. Um, I did not grow up in trauma. I grew up in a very beautiful home. Um, you know, it was all good, but I have intergenerational trauma. Um, you know, as a Jewish person, families from Eastern Europe, it was just Yom HaShoah, the Holocaust Remembrance Day um, two days ago. And, you know, like we're like taught from a young age, we Jewish people in the United States, it's like, people are out to get you and shit is shit can get really bad. Like, just know that. Remember, you know, remember like shit can get really bad. And so it's almost like we're programmed with this expectation that shit can hit the fan and you have to be prepared for that. And on the one hand, I choose to clear that. And I believe right now we're offered, we all people are offered an opportunity to, to choose um do i want to live or do i want to survive yes and there's this survivorship bias of people that have experienced trauma in life or or you know potentially through through hereditary trauma yes and that's what i you know i posted a tiktok like meme about this and i was joking but i was like i also want people to like get it like, By the way, humor, like the, the best gurus use humor. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to take myself a little bit less seriously these days because I'm like, what? You know, like Ram Dass. Like, you yeah, take myself <laughs> so fucking seriously. And I was like, I'm going to make a TikTok. You know, all of us are, I truly believe all of us 
um, are surrounded by our ancestors right now um, who have gone through way worse than we have, some of us, right? Um, and we're given an opportunity to have them rest a little bit easier right now, right? Yes. And if we're running from our shadows during this period of like, our ancestors are going to be living a little unsettled still. You know, I think they like literally want to rest in peace. And so whatever that means to you, if that's prayer, if it's reading, if it's like telling your boss, you can't meet that deadline, you know, if you're lucky enough to have a job, if that's holding on to your faith, if you've been, you know, um, left out of a job, you can't feed your kids of like praying and relying on your ancestors, being open to receiving. It's like, there's so much ancestral and inherited trauma that we have an opportunity to heal. So we don't do the same thing over and over again. So I, I don't want us to go back to normal, like normal wasn't working. And like pro tip, like we're not going back to normal, like things are never going <laughs> to And so like those of us that carry a lot of this weight, and if you even look at like white people too, mm. um, and I make my offerings, you know, I always say like, like SRA. I'm pro everyone black, but I'm like, I'm pro everybody healing, you know, I make my work accessible. So it's accessible to folks from marginalized communities, but I welcome everyone because white people also have it ingrained in their DNA and their ancestry to oppress people. So why, like we need like white people, everybody to be healing right now you know, healing parts of their ancestries because we cannot go back to the same. We will not go back to the same. We can build different systems and systems could mimic the past. You know, that's what we're in danger of. Um, But we're given an opportunity to rebuild in a way that takes care of everybody. So we can't have people sitting in, you know, you know, sitting in their glass houses, meditating up on a hill, you know, in Calabasas, not looking at their shit. Yeah, we all we all have shit, you know, and and we all can look at it for sure. <laughs> I love that sitting in their glass house and glasses. I mean, there's you know there's protests happening right now in the United States, like let us out, right? And it's mostly kind of like white, you know, middle income um, families that are angry. You know, there's just this anger in the United States and. And I was speaking to a friend, you know, who who leans more liberal and, and left wing and, you know, and was just like those people, like those people. And it's like, no, yes, but no, because those people are suffering too. Those people are scared. They're terrified. They're terrified of losing what they believe to be theirs. They're terrified of the jobs they've lost. They're terrified that they're not going to be able to, to take care of their children. They're not going to be able to put food on the table. And so I think in a way, like we're all the oppressed and the oppressor are all victims. Now, as someone that, you know, I I don't mean that to be insensitive to those that have truly experienced trauma in this lifetime and that are truly marginalized, because that could come across as completely insensitive and and not empathetic because I have not experienced what it's like to be a black person in America, right? And like, that's just, that's just the truth. I have no fucking clue what that feels like. Um, and you know, maybe I will in a future life or maybe I have in a past life, but I don't know. So what do you, what do you think about that? I'd love you to to check me on that as well. Well, you, you know, for me, it's like, I, I'm also a healer, right. Of like, when I see that my first initial reaction is like rage and it brings up a lot of like, I grew up in white middle class to like upper class suburbia in Annapolis, Maryland. Um, and I was like, I am writing a book proposal right now. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you talked to, I said, I am writing a book proposal right now. So I was yes. reflecting on some of this stuff of how, you know, my ancestral um, program. By the way, it's all good to write the book. Like, right. God bless. Like, right. Write the book, please. People need to hear it. <laughs> of like, um, <laughs> you know, thinking about how it's programmed to be, uh, you know, as when Gabrielle Union was fired from, I think it was like American Idol or The Voice or something like that. And she did a panel afterwards um, and she was talking about being the happy Negro. 
And I was like, it hit me because I was like, that's how I was raised was to like be the happy Negro, you know, and growing up in Maryland, you know, people think like, especially in Annapolis, like um, wedding crashers, like crab cakes and footballs, but it's like can be very right, right wing. And I grew up a Republican. So it's like all of these fucked up. That that can be confusing. Yeah. Conditioning. And, um, you know, I had people call me the N word or say that they were going to noose me when I was in middle school and high school and being like, I have to like laugh that off or smile through it. And then I ended up going to Virginia tech where it's like some of the same instances happen, but you know, I joined a sorority and I was like, you know, it was diverse and like all of this stuff. And, you know, you kind of just ignored those people you know, as, you know, people that didn't know any better. And so to see that happen right now, you know, with people who are out there, not even just let us out of our house, they have Confederate flags because they're like, they're also like, well, if this is killing black and brown people, let me out of the house. You know, like what, this isn't affecting me. This is just hurting me. Um, And I can't feed my family and who cares? You know, it's just the black and brown people that are dying. And so for me, when I saw that, it's like, it's so triggering to see that even we're living in a system, right, where the oppressed are being affected the most by what's going on. And people are dying at a rapid rate. And the oppressor's response is kind of like, let them die, let me out. And then the part of me that's a healer of like, that is so tragic to be in that state of mind right now of like, that has to be such a dark place to be where this is happening and your response is like, what can I be doing to help liberate these people that are dying at higher rates than my people because I have inherent privilege. And so it's not an excuse. Like I I genuinely feel horrible for people right now that are like, how can I benefit? And of course, you know, the reason, one of the reasons why, you know, um, black communities, Latino communities are being um, affected more is because, I mean, this is my actual, this is my opinion. So I actually don't know this to be fact, but in, in certain areas of our country, food insecurity is rampant and food insecurity is basically for listeners that aren't familiar with the term is basically um, you have access to calories, but you do not have access to nutrition. And so 23 million Americans um, suffer from food insecurity, 13 million of them are children. And it's, it's skewed towards um, communities of, of color and, and Latino communities. And, and so, yeah, when, when you have a disease that ha- that affects those preexisting conditions and there's more, you know, there's, there's more preexisting conditions in those communities because they don't have access to proper nutrition. It's That's like nutrition and healthcare. And healthcare, yes. You know, I mean, yeah. It's like that's you know, and we were kind of talking about this before, and like that's something I've had to like you know, my business obviously was affected of like launching, you know, relaunching a company a month before pandemic. Like, there's no guidebook to the, that, but it's kind of like you know, seeing the race to digital wellness you know, and it being very, very white and able-bodied, you know, and beautiful beauty is a currency. It was like heartbreaking to see because it's like black and brown people are dying like predominantly from this disease because of pre-existing conditions. We have a firsthand view, everyone in the world, everyone in the world right now, eyes on America of how we have failed to take care of our most vulnerable people and the effects of what happens when you let, like when you don't take care of the vulnerable. So you have like food insecurity and you have, you know, you can't get healthcare if you're under a certain income status or it's too expensive, like all of these things. And then all of the, you know, all of the emergency relief is sent to the richest neighborhood, to the richest people, And knowing that for me personally of like, I had high cholesterol, chronic pain, depression, anxiety, PTSD, obsessive compulsive disorder, 
Um, I have diabetes, heart disease, you know, run in my family and how much my life has changed from these alternative medicines and practices. And so wellness is not going to cure a pandemic, but it sure as shit can help. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing right now is just a perpetuation of a system of oppression that's happening. So it's kind of like, what do we do now, right? Like, what do you, you know, it's not the job of myself or other colleagues that I have in the industry to make sure we're not making the same mistakes that we did in healthcare. Um, and to see wellness has just boomed over the past month. Um, mm-hmm. So many practitioners stepping up to, to give their offerings, their gifts, the training that they've, that they've, yes. many of us have been training for this moment in time. Exactly. Right. <laughs> it's like, we've been, this is like literally the moment in most of our teachings, you know, if you've been taught by a true teacher, you mm-hmm. know, charlatans is my favorite word to say right now. So I was like, there's definitely charlatans. There's plenty there. of charlatans out there and, and imposter. And also like on the flip of that, there's plenty of imposter syndrome out there. So if you're struggling with that, like give your gifts to the world and speak your truth. And it's beautiful to see that now, like the vortex of the internet is open for us to share all of our healing powers. And all we need to do is be more conscious about who our partners are, who we're lifting up, what audiences we're talking, we're talking to, how we can make our platforms more accessible. And that's just not like by color, that's like accessibility across the whole. It's like, so people can see themselves represented to magnetize to these offerings because if it looks one way they're gonna be like well that's not for me well it's fascinating you said you know beauty is a currency and i feel this so much like you know the westernization of yoga has made it such that you know yoga instructors are basically in a position where to grow their their personal business and survive they basically are like getting closer and closer to naked and yes bodies are beautiful and that's okay but you know they know, like you, women yoga teachers know that if they post, if they post something where, you know, they're just kind of maybe a piece of their body is showing or whatever, they won't get as many likes as if they're doing their yoga practice in a bikini and whatnot. And there won't be as much, as much eyes on that post. And it's ridiculous. So like the, fa- and, but you're right. Like beauty is, is a currency. And then um, to extend on what you're saying, like I, I, it is, it is true that, um, and I can see this, and I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing with Dive and Well, which is diversity in wellness. For those listening, and we'll talk more about that. I probably will share more about that at the beginning of the show, which I record after, but definitely we'll share more about that. What am I saying? And we'll, we have links out to that, um, but it, it does look very you know, predominant, ironically, because a lot of this stuff gets passed down from the East, it does look predominantly kind of like white. And I I think like the proportion of, of um, black yoga teachers in my teacher training, maybe there were two people, you know, out of 65. And I feel like that, that might be a representation that can be manifested from so many things, right? So many different avenues. But I would love for for all communities across the world to tap into to tap into these practices for their health, their physical health, for their mental health, for their spiritual and emotional health. We all deserve access to these things. So it's great. It's great that people are offering their their services for free online. And I think that practitioners need to be compensated as well. But we do have to we do have to give back. So exactly. And I think that, you know. In my training, you know, I'm, you know, black. So it's like, I look for other black people in the room and through diversity and wellness. And it's like a community. So it's like, I don't have all the answers. I start everything I say of like, I don't have all the answers. And we're here as a group to co-create what we want to see. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like black, brown, you know, people, different, like different bodies, you know, in the room from different socioeconomic status, like even going to a training is privilege in itself, mm-hmm. you know, and so there's so much more to be done and fostering these environments where we welcome more people um, that may take sacrifice from people with privilege and power. 
But I also look at that sacrifice as like reparations to these communities that have been oppressed. Um, and it's going to start with like the trainings and the rooms that we open ourselves up to um, and teaching teachers how to, you know, be open and compensated for their time because a lot of this, you know, it's a handful of people that maybe or people that look a certain way um, or a hand, hand, handful of people that don't that are offering free things. And, you know, there's people out there that are capitalizing off of this right now that aren't making their work accessible. And it's mm -hmm. like striking a balance between being paid your worth and yes. accessibility um, that we need totally. to strike a balance. And it's going to take a lot of work with people in positions of power with those that traditionally haven't had it before. And so how do you how do you impact kind of a, a shift? in this community, like what are the, the methods that you're using at Dive In Well to make wellness more accessible to those who, who don't have access? So one, it's like, uh, you know, representation matters. Like I'm very intentional of like who we have lead things or that are in our community. So one of like, if someone happens to come and stumble upon us, they can see their face represented somewhere. And we're trying harder, you know, like, you know, I'm trying to expand my personal friend network. Cause I think it all starts with like, who are you friends with? Mm -hmm. um, and in an authentic way and build authentic relationships with people um, in order for one consumers to just see themselves reflected in some, like somehow, mm -hmm. um, and then there's an educational piece of like, you don't know what you don't know. Um, and traditionally like our experiences have been in person um, and we invite tons of people from different backgrounds. And a part of it is people sharing their stories. So it's like, there's no way that you can deny someone's story when they're telling you the struggles that they face through the lack of diversity and inclusion and wellness. So it's like sharing and education um, and and then also empowerment of everything we do. There's like a group agreements on what we can all walk away to hold ourselves accountable with. And that's like empowering people to do it. Like I'm not going to tell people the way that I want them to do it. It's like here are our agreements, what resonates with you and hold yourself accountable for it. It's like empowering people to do that and then community bringing people together, connecting people, um, you know, everyone that attends our events are all connected with each other. We encourage people to like literally go through the Instagram and follow people, mm -hmm. DM them, reach out to them. Cause that's like the community piece that brings it together. Absolutely. I, um, I, I'm really encouraged, encouraged by this. Uh, I really think that, these practices are so important for everyone to everyone to have and everyone to feel a part of. And yeah, I just hope that I hope to see your work expand. Thank you. And I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited to see where you go with it and what happens. Um, yeah. I'll keep you posted. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's never easy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah starting a business is never easy. We can, we can do a whole nother episode about that. Marion, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on. I'm glad that we finally got to do this. We covered a lot of ground. I, uh, I, I want to give you the opportunity to share, you know, with the listeners, if there's anything that's kind of just like coming up for you right now that you really want them to, to hear and to take away from, uh, from this show. Absolutely. I think that, you know, one takeaway is that we all, we all are going through something and we all come from different backgrounds. Um, we're all living on this earth in different bodies, but we are all connected to one universal power um, and one universal truth, uh, which is love. Mm. Um, and we need to take care of ourselves uh, and our families and our communities. Um, but we also need to look outside of ourselves and look at our Look at our neighbors, you know, especially the people that don't look like us um, and really step into our power to care for one another. Um, and that might lead you outside of your comfort zone, but 
it's going to lead you to truth, which is love. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That was so beautiful. Thank you. And how can people find you? I love this. I'm like, well, you can easily find me on the internet. Uh, my website is mariamajai.com. Um, mm-hmm. and I know you'll link to it. And my Instagram yes. is at Miriam Ajayi. Um, I have two companies, but I think, you know, my heart speaks to one of them right now, um, is at dive in well, and it's dive in well.com. And on the Instagrams at dive in well, <laughs> uh, you know, we are, uh, expanding our offerings into online um, offerings, especially now more than ever, to advocate for diversity and inclusion and wellness. So if you can, like, make a donation or crowdfunding campaign, which you can find um, anywhere on those two platforms, Instagram or website. Awesome. And I'll link out to those, as you said. Good luck through all of this. I hope that you do all of the things. I hope that you spend a day watching Netflix and just radically resting, which I love. I'm going to take that. I hope that you write your book. I hope that you hold, you know, hold space for all of it. And, you know, I I hope that we all, we all are uh, going to come out of this just stronger and more centered and balanced. Yes. I love that. Thank you so much, Mark. No problem. No problem. All right. Hello, Lookup listeners. One final note before we go. Thank you again for tuning in. Going forward, we'll be releasing new episodes of Lookup every Wednesday morning, Eastern time. If you're getting value from this podcast and you want to give back to support our future, please take a moment to contribute to our community on Patreon. Our Patreon contributors have access to some great additional perks, including one-on-one meditations with yours truly. I've shared the link in the show notes below the episode. You can also find the show notes to this and previous episodes on our website, www.thelookuppodcast.com. If you can't contribute at this time, there are other helpful ways to give back. You can share this episode on social media, tag me, and or leave a review on your favorite podcast app. Trust me, every review goes a long way. If you want more content, including more of my personal thoughts, you can follow me on social media. My handle on both Instagram and Twitter is at Wark Meinstein, W-A-R-C-M-E-I-N-S-T-E-I-N. Or you can subscribe to the Look Up Weekly newsletter on my website. I'm also very responsive to email, so feel free to send questions, booking inquiries, speaking requests, and sponsorship opportunities to marc at thelookuppodcast.com. Finally, For those of you that don't know, I lead virtual yoga, breathwork, and meditation classes, as well as one-on-one coaching and teaching sessions, which you can book from the website or my social media accounts. Thank you to Sam Palumbo and Patch Kid Music for the great intro and outro tunes and for the sound engineering. Thank you, brother. And thank you to all of you listeners for continuing to support the show, for tuning in, and I hope that you've been enjoying this journey as much as I have. 